Hello and welcome into episode 53 of Owls and Maricast. And it's an exciting one today as it is just Evan and Patty. So um, exciting may have been a overstatement <laughs> as I don't have too many too too much exhilarating news to talk about, but we are going to get to it nonetheless, as it's a busy week for the Owls Americas um, brass. Everyone's kind of taking a, a break this week and, and doing real work. I guess real work is important. So we'll get right to it, though, as we have Patty on the line, as I mentioned. Patty, what are you drinking today? Hi, mate. How are you doing? It's nice of you to uh, join me. I was just sat here for the last two weeks drinking some rum, waiting for you guys to join, but no, no luck. <laughs> I'm lying, of course. Last week it was kind of my fault. I was, uh, I was uh, trying to buy it, trying to buy a car because uh, I crashed my car, which was very sad, um, and it's been pretty stressful this year so far. Um, uh, who, but I'm, I'm worried about the rest of the guys, right? Because who makes plans in January? Why is no one here? Why is no one available? January's boring. Uh, I don't know. Last week I was happy we didn't do it because I was sick, uh, very sick on on Wednesday, and actually I'm still getting over it. But uh, sounds like James is is on some leadership retreat, and um, a lot of um, Major League Baseball news. I'm sure Jeff is is busy with Luke. Obviously has a, a child to to tend to. Um, Mike's out in Portland, so it's a little early for him. Probably six thirty out there. Yeah, and uh, Paul Paul's working on getting married, sp- splitting time between Chicago and New York right now. So, just a lot going on. There is, man. There is, and I want to apologize to listeners for last week's um, miss. Um, obviously, we try and uh, get together every single week for this podcast. It's all done through the goodness of our hearts, as we're not getting paid to do this, as you might have guessed. <laughs> so sometimes life gets in the way. Uh, so I hope you uh, you appreciate this, and um, we shall do our best today between myself and Evan, and hopefully the, the squad will be back to full strength next week. That's right. So we, well, I, I'm only drinking water today. Like I said, I'm still getting over some some sickness. I got a sinus infection at the moment, and so hopefully I don't sound too nasally. But we soldier on, as Jeff loves to say. Uh, we will talk about our recent two games, the Hall loss and the Luton win. Uh, we'll talk some Wednesday news. We'll have our regular dispatches from American Soccer section. We'll preview the exciting clash with Wigan. And we'll talk about our meetups and news at Owls America. So we'll get right right to it. Patty, did you watch the entire Hall match? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I turned it off around the 75th minute. Or at least just stopped paying attention to it. Um, even though it was pretty much over well before then. Um, it wasn't good, was it? You know what? And it's, it is the hope that kills you because before this game kicked off, before the lineups were out, I was pretty sure that we were going to get spanked by Hull because they're in a really good um, run of form, right? There were uh, six wins and two draws before they um, turned up against us on Saturday. But then we put our, our uh, lineup and Hutch is back in the starting lineup after that he was injured. Bannon makes a recovery too from the injury he had at the end of the previous game. And I thought, oh, oh. Fletcher's up front. It looks like a normal, decent side. This is a strong side. We should give them a game at least. Uh, not quite happened that way, did it really? It was garbage. What did you think to it? No, it was exactly right. I was on social media duty and, um, you know, 10 a.m. on a Saturday, just kind of relaxing in the living room. I, I got a record player for Christmas and so uh, I was listening to some, some vinyl at the same time. And I, by the time, pro- probably the same, 75th minute, I was 
just distracted. I had a <laughs> actually have a Childish Gambino album that has a 75 page screenplay that that he wrote, <laughs> and so <laughs> I was more occupied with that than I was the. Which the album match. is that from? It is from. I'll have to look again. Um, it's an interesting one on vinyl because he, he doesn't have a track listing and he doesn't have side A or side B listed on either disc. And so you have no idea what song you're listening to or what, what disc you're on. Uh, you just have to go Red for Man. it, which it's just like fantastic. Glover, isn't it? So I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, a- anyway, yeah, I'd spend a lot of time talking about vinyl, but we'll talk about the match instead. Uh, we could have been one nil down after two minutes if it wasn't for Westwood, right? Yeah, it was a great save. Um, and it was just like a blink of an eye. They were down the end of the pitch. Uh, pretty much clean through uh, an angle and it was a fingertip save on Westwood and it happened again about 10 minutes later so the signs were there for for an absolute beating and we just didn't turn up it was it was very familiar uh, I, I feel like and I had a bit of a rant on Twitter after this after this game because it was so like our performances of the last two years the kind of stereotypical low energy uh, lack of discipline uh slow on the approach um, and just it was just poor quality and poor effort all around and as we've seen uh, through when Bullen took over a little bit of an uptick in performances and especially the efforts from the players it's just disappointing when it goes back when you when you fall back to default and you think oh we haven't made any progress at all we're still that same bunch of players that don't appear to give a shit and I've got this theory that the that they obviously had their tails up once Yoss was sacked because it didn't seem like anyone liked him. So they were, they, were, they were kind of tails up, they were told to play how they were want to play from Bullen, and they uh, they live on that high for a few games. But then when stability comes back in, and it's like, um, if you can call it stable, I suppose, two assistant managers uh, waiting for Bruce to come in, it's just like back to the same old paces and stuff. And it's like that kind of um, negativity and... Uh, mundaneness creeps back into their minds and, and, and sloppiness too I really do worry about this group of players and whether they're up for the challenge of um, of this championship league because I don't think on that showing against Hull they are yeah it was kind of it was just strange you know it had a, a feel to it kind of felt like the end of the the Carlos era as well, where just no one seemed to care, and and we talked week after week about um, just the, the ambition, the the passion, and, and none of it, none of it was there. So you're right; it was absolutely frustrating. Um, you know, Hall scored right before halftime, and and then at half at the half we didn't make any changes. And uh, I know there's a note here, but I I couldn't. I just don't know if if I don't want to say it's one manager pulling the strings right now because I think uh, both have have a lot to do with it as as Bruce's um, in Bruce's absence. Sorry, but I, I don't know what they were what they were hoping for in the second half. That's the thing, right? It, it seemed like um, paralysis. If there's not, I guess we assume Steve Agnew's making the making the calls at this point during the game. Um, but to not make any changes and be happy with what was put in for that first half, uh, it just baffled me. 
and we, we know we're not very good at the start of second halves, and we, especially in the Yoss, it seemed to send people to sleep as a halftime talk from where we came out usually, and it happened again. Um, just really poor defence, um, and Westwood brings a guy down. It's a stonewall penalty every single day of the week, and when that penalty goes in, it's game over because we've not shown any. Um, uh, any kind of emphasis on moving forward or scoring goals. So when that went to 2-0 down, I just assumed we'd, we'd lose it 3-5, 6-0. And we were lucky not to go that high in the end. Um, It was just, I think, one of the worst performances of the season. And after the the progress that I think, I'm doing uh, those those air quotation marks, that progress (laughs) that we thought we'd made under uh, Bullen has just all been wiped away. Because it's... If this was like a, a one-off, if it was like a one-off uh, performance, we can say, okay, Steve Agnew is learning the ropes with um, the new team and stuff, blah, 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 all good. But it was so familiar. It was it was so much like the last two years we've seen. It was, it, for me, I had this big rant on Twitter afterwards where I said we have to clear the decks. It's, it's something, there's something rotten to the core of this squad where they don't want to work for each other. They don't want to um, put the effort in. Um, and Bruce has to come in and weed these players out that aren't bothered. Uh, I genuinely think we should sell some of our best players. Um, whether there's cliques in the squad we've heard previously, uh, I'm not sure. But for me, if we had the, the finances, which I know we don't, uh, Bruce we should be allowed to clear out and start again because on that performance against Hull, it was just too much like the last two years. Well, and I think... It, what it did for me at least was was brought me back down to earth a little bit i i don't think our team w- will be relegated I don't, I don't think there's any chance we we drop but i, I just we're, we're a mid-table lower mid-table team and i think the last couple performances maybe gave some people a, a glimmer of hope to push for the top six you know we get a new manager in maybe make a change or two in, in january and all of a sudden, okay, you know, we, we go on that 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 famous championship run that you see so many clubs make toward the end of the year. Um, I, I, that's just not going to happen. You, you know, we're going to have games, matches where we play fantastic, and we get on the podcast and talk to each other about how you know we just played the the best half of football all year, or the you know the best full ninety minutes of football we've played as a team all year, and we just have to understand, I think that 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 isn't going to be the case every match for the rest of the season. We, we have to be realistic about our expectations, no matter how good one match might be um, or, or how awful the next one is. So, you know, we might come out against Wigan and be absolutely fantastic, and that's great, but, you know, we, we could come out in a couple weeks against Swansea and, and absolutely get dismantled, and, and that's just how it's going to be the rest of the year. It is, and there's a fan, and there's someone that, um, speaking for like a New York Owls kind of uh, person that has to motivate other fans to go to watch games now. Um, I'm really, really struggling to do that because it's, and I, and I, it's almost the same people going to Hillsborough every week. Um, it's an effort. You're spending money to go to watch this team, and if you're not seeing them perform, you just think, well, why the fuck am I bothering? It's just an absolute. It's, it's it's a really poor season, and the players in that pitch have got to give the fans something to cheer for, because it's been diabolical for most of this season. 
Um, and if they can't be asked to turn up, and for the guys that, that, that's travelled to Hull, I always take my hat off to all the uh, Wednesday fans that travel home and away, um, thick or, uh, through that thick and thin. Uh, to go to Hull and, and to witness that performance is just an insult. I think it's 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 not it's not good enough. But we switch gears and we can get into the Luton match where we beat a side that hadn't been beaten at home since March 2018. So uh, a fantastic result. Uh, obviously, there's a bit of sarcasm in this, but. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we came out 3-5-2 setup, Fletch and Addy up top, and a match that we all obviously thought we could win, kind of a weird, actually one of the stranger grounds I've, see us, I've seen us play in, um, kind of liked it. I thought there was plenty of character to it, uh, ha- having the the away stand in the midst of houses was, was pretty neat, and, and people's... <laughs> garden you guys call them gardens right like the backyard is a garden yeah we call them backyards too ah well good because that's what gardens if there's them. grass in them i'm guessing those in luton don't have grass in them <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> well they've got, big, then, they've got big piece of grass i suppose in the, in the luton football ground but not really actually much in their garden right and then it was kind of interesting that one whole side had no seats but just luxury boxes if you can call them lu- luxury um it's just but several it was, it was sheds just, yeah, but but it was neat, you know. It's it's different, and it's um, something we miss a lot here in the United States. Is just the character of of football and, and the history, and um, you know that's just a, a cool, interesting, neat place that you just don't see around here. Yeah, it's, it's the ground I wish I'd been to. Actually, I used to live reasonably close to to London, so uh, I used to live in London, but not uh, so far away from Luton. Uh, and we just didn't play them when I was um, down in that area. So uh, it is a really interesting ground. It is a bit of a shithole too. Um, I can see both sides of the argument. Um, but they're doing really well in the League One at the moment. They, are, like I said, they've been unbeat, undefeated at home since March. So we knew we had a uphill battle based on the way they performed at Hillsborough. And I was I mean, a little surprised that it was it wasn't as. Uh, Hard as I thought it was going to be, especially I had the opposite reaction to the lineup than I had against Hull, with um, with Fletcher and Assey up top. I can't see any right-thinking manager that that t- that formation and that those two people up front would wield results. That's what's at the beginning of the game, right? Because like you've got two big big units up top. Who plays like that? Who plays with two big units up top? If you're gonna have two strikers, it's usually a, a quick one. And one that can hold up play. To play two lumbering um, strikers like Fletcher and Atty, are not very mobile. Fletcher does a lot of work, I'll give him that. Uh, but it's not the foil for Atty that we need, and neither is Atty for Fletch. So with that lineup to me, it was, when we went to 3-5-2, right? Two, right? So we had Thornley back in the central defence. Who I think played a decent game, actually. Uh, and actually, um, what it turned out to be was a much more kind of a, a solid uh, setup. Than it than we have been, especially against Hull, and uh, we defended pretty well against uh, Luton. And to be fair, for the first half, we controlled most of that possession, uh, which was very, I thought, refreshing to see for an away side um, going to an informed League One side. So for me, that first half kind of calmed my nerves a little bit about the um, about the formation and the the lineup, um, and we, we did okay, I thought. So f- from a listener's perspective, obviously this this wasn't on 
ESPN Plus, which was was kind of a scandal for us at Owls Americas because we said the day before we we announced that it would be on ESPN Plus because they they had said on their app that it would be, and then all of a sudden, about 20 minutes before when people went to find it, it wasn't there. So that was kind of uh, kind of frustrating, but. So, so we were able to listen on iFollow, and obviously Rob does a, a great job there, and John. John John's great as well. But uh, from a listener's perspective, it sounded like we were great in possession. We were great moving the ball forward. But as soon as we got forward, I guess this is this has been the case all season, right? But as soon as we got forward, we just we lacked creativity. And we, we couldn't find the back of the net, right? Like, we're great in possession, great run up, great build up. Uh, that's a great move. That's a great job getting on the ball. It goes into the box, and no, that's just a bad cross. That's what or, I Oh, it's just a bad shot. We've like, said, <laughs> said it over and over again this season. There's the, the, the crossing from the flanks is just diabolical. And when you've got uh, Stephen Fletcher and Atinuyu as your top two strikers up front, the least you need is someone that can deliver a good ball onto their heads. But like, time and time again, it goes out to Palmer, it goes out to, to Fox. Um, I, th- I think it goes into reach a few times. And they just they miss the entire box sometimes. Like the entire 18 hour box went astray and it ends up somewhere on like the uh, Thurian the, the, the or just outside the 18 hour box. It is, I said it about 10 times this season. If I have to watch Palmer just float in like a, a ball from the right hand wing, I'm just going to kill myself because he's a dreadful cost of the ball. Uh, I think he's got better defensively, but we need someone who can cross the ball. And if we can get them in this January window, that'll help us tremendously. Um, but it was almost embarrassing at times, the, the balls we were putting into the box. So if we go back to the, the formation, the setup, you, you mentioned Fletch and, and Newhue up top. Uh, I had a discussion with a couple people on Twitter uh last week or a week before about um steve bruce's tactics which don't really exist i mean there's not really a uh a one formation or one idea that you can point to for bruce but what i had noticed in at least the one or two matches that agnew was in charge we had placed an emphasis or more of an emphasis on getting the ball outside and out wide. And a couple of people disagreed with me and, and said that was normal and what we had been doing. But I thought when I saw this lineup with Fletch and Addy up front, that it was more of a sign that you were just desperate to get someone in the box that can, that can put one home that, you know, some big guys in the box that, um, could just force the ball into the net basically, which it sounds like that's basically what Addy did for, for the goal. But, um, I think the problem is absolutely what you just said is we can do that all we want. We can force the ball up the wings all we want. We're not going to produce anything out of it because uh, we're at, we're absolutely awful at getting the box or getting the ball into the box. Um, and, and I don't know how to counter that, Patty. I, I just don't. It's new it, people, isn't it? In the day, you got to put some new people in there. Oh, you change the tactics. You don't go on the flanks and try and cross it in when we ain't going to cross the ball. Um, I think we have got the players that can play down the middle, uh, nice, neat triangles, and work something through. And, and there's, there's players like Reach and Matthias that can make the runs that Bannon can pick out. So, and that's what we saw during when Bullen was in charge, right? We saw those runs from Matthias and, and, and Reach, and Bannon was picking them out from the midfield. We didn't go wide as much uh, under Bully. And I think Bully knows our strengths somewhat, and maybe Agnew has to kind of... Um, 
kind of fail first to learn that we don't have the players to play that, uh, in that method. Um, it's just frustrating that we're still making the same mistakes as we were well, a year ago, two years ago sometimes, um, that we're still stuck with the same um, same kind of uh, fullbacks and same kind of uh, problems we, we've had for a year. So we did finally score after actually almost uh, had an own goal with Lees, which was fairly comical, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he had a good game, uh, Tom Lee. I saw some um, comments on Twitter afterwards. Like I said, we were we were confined to um, the uh, the commentary for this game, which is rare. We usually watch most games now, um, so we've seen the three minutes, four seconds of highlights. Um, but yeah, the, a lot of fans that went to the games at least had another, another nightmare. And uh, from the highlights, you only see uh, the fact that he puts it wide from about 25 yards out, wide of the goal by about three inches. Uh, and Dawson thankfully knows his, 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 his surroundings and uh, saw it go wide without any kind of stress, it looked like. But, I mean, when you first see it go back, he's just nowhere near Dawson. It's just lack of concentration, lack of focus, lack of discipline again. And uh, Lees has been a uh, victim to that several times, well, probably more than several times this season. Uh, and it's just, I think it's, um, I, I think it's something that's rotten to the core of this team. The fact that they can't uh, be disciplined and can't focus and make so many errors. Uh, I'm going to go back to the, the third goal, actually, we didn't manage to cover this against Hull. When it's just Lees and Hector pissing about. I think Hector tries a little bit of a clearance, but it goes over his own head. And then they just look at each other, and then Frazier Campbell um, steals through and just blasts it straight at Westwood and goes into the goal. It's it's that kind of pissing about and just lack of discipline that we've we've missed for two years. And until Lees is replaced in defence, I don't think we're going to um, get any better. Uh, I think he has he's he's got a little bit better under Bullen, um, but again we saw the same old um, error-prone mistakes against Luton. So. Who knows? We kept a clean sheet at the end of the day. I'm not going to be too negative about him against Luton, but still, I still don't think Lees is a, is a long-term centre-half for Sheffield Wednesday. So, so this new Hugh goal, I hadn't made it back to my, my phone for the broadcast yet, but got a message. Um, I can try to find it, but basically, in our Owls Americas chat, Mike Laroon said something along the lines of, it sounds like no one knew that ball went in, including Newhue. And then a response to that was from Paul that said, yes, it was an absolute shit show of a goal. And so um, yeah, Mike said, I'm envisioning three deflection at, at close range and at D is the last to know he scored. And so just a comical, I guess, performance all around. Yeah, and, and uh, like I said, Mike was guessing what happened uh, from the commentary. And then looking actually at the highlights, it's pretty much spot on what happens. Uh, because it kind of like falls at Fletcher's uh, feet from, from across, which should have been defended pretty easily from Luton. But they just kind of stand around looking at each other. Fletcher takes a pot shot, hits New Who, I think what would be in the face for a normal person, but actually hits his shoulder. Uh, and then I think Gen comes back off a defender onto New Who's feet. He boots it. He hits the same defender that he came off in the first place and he deflects into the uh, kind of side of the goal. Uh, it was a complete scramble. Um, but, hey, New Year's at least in the right place at the right time. It's a rare, it's a, it's a rare um, occurrence that he's actually in the box uh, when he needs to be. So I'm just happy he was there and he, he put his boot through it and it went in. So fair play, lad. 
and then we almost give up a goal at the end. Goes right off the post, and I I, I was able to hear that, and uh, sounded scary. I, I think from from Rob's commentary, it almost sounded like it had gone in. He almost sounded disappointed uh, that we had given one up. But um, I mean, do you have any comments on that? Well, I want to uh, give a bit of a shout out to Dawson actually because he actually did a couple of great saves before that um, post as well. So I think Dawson had a really good game, and, and without uh, a combination of him playing well and Luton not finishing their chances, uh, we'd have lost that game. Um, and we had a few chances. We like I said, we controlled the first half. I thought we we definitely uh, edged it. I think Luton in the second half were probably uh, unlucky not to score a goal. Um, but I want to thank Cameron Dawson because like, I had a great game. Um, so went ahead one 0 winner, and I was surprised that we won that. So overall, positive. I know I didn't sound very positive throughout review, <laughs> but I'm not in a very good mood about Wednesday uh, concerned at the moment. But what I am positive about is uh, playing Chelsea. Right, this is a big tie. I mean, we these kind of ties nowadays um, for us when you're mid-table mediocrity like we are. It's something to look forward to. There's been not a lot to look forward to recently. It's been pretty dire all season. And a big tie away in London. It's a shame it's on Sunday night for the um, fans back home who have to try and get home on a Sunday night. Uh, for us in America, it's pretty much the the best timing <laughs> to watch football. Well, it, it's perfect because it's exactly the, the time that um, NFL football is on, right? One yeah. o'clock on a Sunday. And that Sunday, there's no NFL football. It's the well, it's the Pro Bowl, but no one watches that. <laughs> it's it's perfect. It's, like I say, one p.m. Eastern time, uh, ten a.m. Uh, on the uh, West Coast, um, and then everywhere in between we do that. But essentially, there's no excuse. Uh, this is, we'll come to this later on. But there's no excuse for anyone, uh, any Wednesday fan in America, to go down to your pub and watch this uh, in the bar. Chelsea have got a massive following, as you might expect in America. They'll have bars in cities wherever you are. I'm pretty sure. And it'll be on ESPN Plus. Most bars cover that nowadays. It will be a good event. And Al's Americas will be pushing uh, a lot of people uh, to go to bars and, and send us your pictures. We'll try and organize it through Facebook too. And we'll get into that later on too. So, so we can, we've already got a few confirmations in too from, uh, from groups that are going to meet up. So uh, we'll talk about it later on. But even so, something to get excited about. Cherish this because there's going to be very little else to get excited about for the rest of the season. <laughs> It is exciting. It's uh, it's neat, just like when we played Manchester City and um, had a chance against Arsenal as well. It's just um, I could finally tell my friends, hey, my team's playing Chelsea this weekend. They'll actually know who I'm talking about. Um, no more, isn't Millwall a, a Simpsons character? You know, they, they don't say stuff like that <laughs> when you when you're talking about the big clubs. So we're looking forward to it. I mean, we're gonna get spanked. I mean, no. no, no kind of doubt about that there's no way we're going to do an Arsenal and beat in a 3-0 um, it's, we're going to get absolutely spanked but it's, it'll be nice for a good five minutes and the the, the fact that I'm hoping uh, New York Owls go out in force because we're at the same bar as the Chelsea New York group uh, I know some of them are friends um, so I'm hoping we can surprise them with uh, how many fans we've got because I know when we turn up we turn up big in New York so uh, I'm looking forward to it on uh, that Sunday yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with some Wednesday news as well as our dispatches and the rest of the show.
Welcome back as we jump into some Wednesday news. And we have some transfer rumors, which it's almost mid-January. It is mid-January. So um, if we're going to make any moves, we should probably do it soon. So we're looking at a central defender by the name of Effie Ambrose. Ambrose is from Nigeria. He's played 51 caps with Nigeria and um, also has some time in, in Scotland with Celtic and, and Hibs. Uh, Patty, what do you know about Effie? Um, not a great deal. Um, I think the Celtic fans liked him. He was there for like four or five years. He, was, he, he, was, uh, he took over from Glenn Leuvens when Leuvens left Celtic to join us. Um, so there's a little bit of connection there. He's kind of engineered the end of his contract uh, at Hibs, which always worries me slightly. Um, he must have some kind of inclination of a transfer or a move. Um, he's 30 years old. He's a big unit. Lots of experience with Nigeria. So he's not the the most glamorous signing, but, I mean, we need centre-halves. Um, so I think he's probably going to be a squad player rather than someone that's going to walk into the first team. But let's see what happens. It's, it's, just, it's just a rumour. Uh, there's not a great deal of hype about him online. More people are kind of negative about it than positive. Uh, I know very little about him, so uh, I'll keep my um, I'll keep my perspective um, bright at least. Are we going to sell anyone in, in particular? Is Hooper headed to MLS? Is is reach out? Are we going to get some money in January? See, we'll come on to this directly after it, but I believe. Following the chairman's statement that was on the website literally about an hour before we came on uh, to uh, record this, um, I think he's setting us up to start selling because it's all about um, profit instead of sustainability or FFP. Um, and obviously there's rumours around Adam Reach going to Villa or Villa wanting him for £10 million. Um, personally at the moment, if Reach goes for £10 million, I would snap their hands off. Uh, I know he's our best player. I love Adam Reach. Um, I think he might be one of the problems I was talking about earlier on about having uh, this malaise around the team. And I think showing the rest of the squad that no one is unsellable, that no one's um, position at the club is guaranteed, might make them book their ideas up a little bit, if I'm honest with you. Um, and 10 mil for each is about what I'd expect. We need to make about, I think, from what I heard on the FFP podcast last time around, between 15 and 18 million pound in the hole. So reach being sold is um, a way towards that. I don't think we'll get anything from Gary Hooper. Um, Gary Hooper's rumour is that he's uh, been scouted by MLS teams, uh, Vancouver and DC United are the two mentioned. Uh, I pray to God that it's not going to DC United because that's his New York Rebels rivals. I don't want to uh, root against Gary Hooper because I really like him. Um, and I think he'll be great in MLS if he stays fit. So uh, if he does go to MLS, I hope he goes to Vancouver. Um, and I, st- I still think it's a great move for both participants in that move. I think Hooper, when fit, would be a top 10 player in MLS. Easy. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. He's, he's the right kind of player too, right? Because you don't need to be that quick in MLS, right? You need to be intelligent. To, to The ones that really rise above the rest of them, it's the ones that know the game and are intelligent to where they're, where they're positioned, know how to bring other players into the game. And Hooper is just one of the best at our level at doing that. 
so I think if he goes to Vancouver DC, it'll be uh, a great asset for either of them. I I'm personally 100% okay with with wholesaling the club with with if we get rid of Reach, if we get rid of Forestieri. In fact, I actually at this point I would like to get rid of Fessy. I, I'm just. It's not because I think he's a bad person. It's not because I, I hate him. It's because it, it's just kind of annoying to have such a, an amazing player with so much talent constantly hurt, constantly moody, and just he's a wild card, right? And I think it, it's completely fine to move on from him at this point if we can get $2 million from him. Uh, that'd be great. Um, Bannon, you know, he's... Honestly, he's getting toward the end of his of his peak. In fact, he's probably way past it. And so if we can get any value out of him at the moment, it's probably not a bad idea to let him go. I know he's great for the club. He's someone that we can um, we can still rely on, but I'm not sure how long we'll be able to rely on him, and I think right now is the, the best time to sell him. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I love all those players you're mentioning. And I've, I've, we've had great relationships with all three of them. So Bannon, Reach, Fessy, by far our most saleable assets, right? And without them, I'm a bit concerned about how, where, where we would go. Um, but I, after seeing that whole loss and how little we've moved forward in two years, it, it's got to be something in the dressing room, which is just this kind of like negative kind of atmosphere. And if I, I honestly think that we need to clear the slate and start again. Um, unfortunately, we've got basically no money to do that. So if it ends up clearing the slate and having uh, academy players in, we could be in big trouble. Um, so it's a risky game to play. Uh, I do think we've got to sell at least uh, two of our best players. Um, and it sounds like I have to get that in by before March. Which leads us nicely onto the chairman's statement uh, this after this evening, um, because that's one of the biggest things I took out of that um, meandering um, fifteen hundred word essay he wrote on Wednesday evening. Um, have you had a chance to read this yet, Evan? By the way, <laughs> um, I, I haven't had enough time. Um, yeah, I could, if I, even if I would have started at five five o'clock p.m., I wouldn't have been able to finish it before we jumped on the air. So, uh, no, I actually have read it and. It is weird. <laughs> it's a strange, <laughs> strange statement that, he, to be to be fair though, he clearly wrote it. You know, he didn't he didn't use some PR team. He didn't. Yeah, yeah, this is this is straight from Chancery. There's no question about it. Um, but as I was reading it, I was like, okay, this this must be close to the end. Oh, there's another paragraph. Oh, there's another paragraph. And it just eventually I stopped and scrolled all the way to the bottom and was thinking, my gosh something George R. R. Martin would write, you know, like <laughs> well, I was waiting for the decision, right? Because he starts it off with the decision I'm making now with this statement is also not easy, but something I need to do. That's a way to start a statement. That's a way to start sorry, that's a way to start um building up something a big, a big news announcement, right? You you building up something. It's a not an easy decision to make, and that's what I'm going to do. Right? So that's what he says in the very first paragraph. And I'm, so, I'm reading through it thinking, okay, there's a lot of preamble here. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where he's going with this one. He goes over the same stuff he goes over in the fans' forums about uh, how uh, he's invested lots of money, he doesn't do it for profit, how that um, 
he's uh, people don't value him. That kind of worries me. Kind of attitude that he, he kind of portrays quite a lot sometimes, um, and some somewhat rightly, some people don't value him personally. And a lot, I think most Wednesday fans appreciate the money he's put into the club, but he's focusing on the small minority who give him shit. Fair enough. He's a very thin-skinned person, I believe, for a chairman. Um, I've pulled out a few statements, right? So looking through this this whole statement, uh, it is about 20 paragraphs long. There's not a lot of uh, stuff we don't know already. Um, the first thing I pulled out was this, this paragraph which starts, Many people have suggested that I invested the amount of money I did and continue to do in order to achieve promotion to the Premier League. But this is not correct. I invested these sums to stay in the championship, to ensure we would have the best chance of avoiding relegation. So that's the end of the, the quote, right? That to me is moving the goalposts. He came into this job and he said, I'm going to invest. Three years. It was, yeah, three years, right? He wants to be Premier League in three years. That's what he said. I'm investing to get us into the Premier League. That's the promised land. That's what we want to do. To then turn around and say, that's not correct. He's invested the sums to stay in the championship. Bullshit. No one invests. No one plans to stay in the championship. <laughs> the whole point of the championship is to get fucking out of it. Uh, uh, but then, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, it's I, just in the sense to ensure we would have the best chance of avoiding relegation. That's not what the goal was. If you came into the buy the club and said, well, "I'm going to come in here and invest to avoid relegation," everyone would be like, "Get out! Get out!" Yeah, That's exactly. Not yeah, we're avoiding relegation with Stuart Gray with no money. Well, the the very next sentence says. If promotion came, then great. But building from the bottom gave us the best opportunity of getting to the top. But what does that mean? What does that mean? But to get to the top, you have to be promoted. (laughs) You don't want to be promoted. You want to stay in the championship. This is yeah. You're absolutely right. That was a an incredibly strange. And that was only the second or third paragraph. Yeah, and he gets go go on. Um, Go on. Again, he reiterates the fact that once we achieve promotion this season, we'll experience problems with. with profit and sustainability, which we've we've heard and we know. So again, the next paragraph that I pulled out here is something that I think is the only redeemable information we can take something out of, right? So this is, however, if our problems cannot be solved by March, by March, when we submit our accounts to the EFL, another soft embargo is inevitable. This will become a full embargo if, again, the problems cannot be solved at the end of the financial year, right? So he's now... Uh, saying that if we can't solve our problems by March, which just by the way, this is like eight weeks away, March, <laughs> when they submit our accounts to the FL, then we're going to be under an embargo again. It says soft embargo, embargo. So again, not sure what that means. Um, but to me, this is setting up the uh, the hard decision that he's uh, mentioned at the beginning of the statement, right? So okay. We have to solve problems by March. We're in a transfer window right now. Is Are you trying to tell us that we're going to try and sell some players in January to help out with the FL? If so, you've set that up pretty well now. Announce that we might have to sell some players. He doesn't say that. His big plan is relaunching Club 1867. That's what I think this whole statement is. It's a, it's a marketing tool to relaunch this stupid uh, project. To get people to buy like season tickets, uh, I don't know what three or four or five years season tickets. I can't remember what it was called now, but I can't remember. Is that stupid? They're like five people bought originally and didn't didn't work. So he's revamp he's revamping Club eighteen sixty seven, trying it again. 
And I think that might be his plan to solve our problems by March. Because that's all he mentions in this statement. Did Patty, you get anything else? <laughs> Patty, he, he literally wrote these 20 paragraphs and didn't mention the 1867 campaign once. And then all of a sudden, the very last sentence says, if our fans truly trust me, sorry, I'll restart. If our fans really trust me, we will go together for the next part of the 1867 campaign, and I truly hope we will be a great team. So do you think that that whole 20-page meandering statement was just to plug the new 1867 club? That's horrible advertising if it <laughs> it's is. It's the worst marketing in the world. <laughs> I just feel like I just feel like he built this huge conflict to talk about something that will, will probably gain uh, help us with what? Like uh 6 6000 bucks of the 15 or 18 million that we have to bring into the club. Um just a, a super strange message and you, you mentioned earlier you've mentioned it a few times that this is probably just a way maybe just a precursor to to selling a bunch of players and um, bringing in money and and if that's the case whatever you didn't have to, to write me all these paragraphs to to make me understand that that's important um and that's kind of what he does right he he had this entire this this is actually eerily similar to the fans forum. He had this entire fans forum lasted six hours. It felt like, and then at the very end said, "By the way, the club's for sale." <laughs> like I, I, I do so much for this club, and I would never, uh, never sacrifice my integrity. I, I love this club. This club is my club. And then all of a sudden, by the way, I'm going to sell it. <laughs> and that's to, it's, it, to me, it's it is nuts. And it and and, and I'm going to echo um, our friend. Uh, James Marriott and and James Allen, he hasn't got a fucking plan. He hasn't got a plan. We haven't got a plan. And you can see the way his mind works going through this statement. You can clearly tell from reading the statement, this is the top of the mind. Oh, I've got something I want to say about 1867, but I want to get all this stuff off my chest first about how people uh, don't value what I've done in this club and explain, kind of, but not fully explain, the hurdles that are in the place of me as a club chairman to um to work in so he, he makes he, he he alludes to things that um you would never understand uh the obstacles that are in my place to to, to uh, what i have to the choice i have to do uh how he's alone he says about being alone at one point too um alone in his choices or alone in these decisions he doesn't want to go through that again he felt very um ashamed of being in part of the embargo and i have no doubt that Chancery is emotional, he's emotionally invested into this club, he wants to do well. I, I believe him when he says he's not in for profit, which maybe naively, um, I believe this is a passion project for him, which billionaires have, that's fine to have, right? What frust- And I'm fine with all that stuff. What frustrates me, he's got no fucking business plan. It's one thing to have a passion project, but when you go into it with just complete naivety and no plan, that's when you, you get to these kind of um, stages we're at right now. His plan is to put Steve Bruce in the manager, which might dig him out of the issues we're in. Um, but as long as our hands are tied through FFP, uh, Bruce is going to struggle. And the more insight we get into Chancery's brain through these fans forums and through these statements on the website, the more I worry. Because 
he he doesn't uh, communicate very well what he wants. Uh, he doesn't seem to know what he wants, uh, and he doesn't seem to have um, very good ideas on how to get around FFP, how to progress this club forward, uh, other than throw money at what people are telling him to throw money at. Um, and that, to me, is the biggest concern I have over his um, over his leadership. It's uh, it's pretty depressing, and I just hope that Steve Bruce can 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 make this club into something that's uh, that's something like we want it to be. Because I don't think on his own, Chancery has got a clear what he's doing. The thing that I'm most curious about is what. What he said to Steve Bruce when they sat down and, and they talked about, um, or just negotiated, you know, because Bruce is the kind of guy that wants more money. He wants money to spend on players and he wants to bring in high profile players and then just basically buy himself into the championship. And we obviously don't have money. And, you know, this statement, whether he meant it or not, just showed us that we need to basically make 15 million dollars in eight weeks or 18 million dollars in eight weeks and that means steve bruce isn't going to spend january buying new players to take us back to the top and so uh, honestly if you connect the dots here we we have to sell some players right now in order for bruce to be able to spend in the summer and and if, if you know if bruce is coming and and he's sitting in a meeting with Chancery. He has to say like, "Look, you're going to have to spend money. How can you spend money?" Then the only way to do that is to sell right now and spend later in the summer, as far as I know. And so, I honestly think I think you're you're probably correct in that we're about to sell some some players and uh, we're about to get some funds, and we're probably not going to bring in anyone, at least not for a lot of money. You know, maybe some end of contract guys like Effie, but. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird couple of weeks, I think. Really weird. It's it's a couple of weeks that will define us for I would think at least the next three years, right? Because if we screw this up and we do end up with transfer embargo, then we'll be in a much worse position than we would be if we end up selling just two of our best players. Um, I think we can survive this season without Reach and Bannon, for instance, or Reach and Fessy, for instance. Um, I don't think we can survive much longer if we're in a transfer embargo for say I don't know how long maybe like I think it's like four four windows sometimes I think um it's often threatened and maybe a points deduction too. Um playing with players that don't don't really want to play at the moment. Now obviously we're not part of this is we we we're kinda of hoping that Bruce can put that effort into the players, can instill some belief, instill some motivation into them. So that's why I'm hoping that if if we do stick with these same players, that Bruce can make them play better. We know they can play better. We know that they are good players, and they, they they're playing below what they're what they're uh, what they can do. So, if we do end up with what we've still got, then the only hope we have is that Steve Bruce can work miracles with them. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, as far as French fair play goes, it's very black and white. We need to make up fifteen million to eighteen million pounds before March, according to Fajan 
Well, we move on to some Wednesday news and a big congratulations to Ian Harks. Another Harks is going to play in the Premier League, this time the Scottish Premiership. And maybe not for very long as Ian is headed to Dundee United, who are currently last in the (laughs) Scottish Premiership uh, with 10 points. But it's cool nonetheless to see someone that uh, um, just actually exited an MLS squad and is now headed over to Scotland. This is a really nice story, though, to be fair. Um, Obviously, we know relative John Harks, fan of the pod, friend of the pod. Um, And Ian Harks has been a very good player for DC United uh, for a couple of years now. He's unlucky to be be let go, actually, because they they got a new um, player in his replacement who was very good. Um, So to go to Dundee United for Ian Harks, isn't as random as it sounds. His granddad uh, grew up a hundred yards away from uh, Tandice Park, which is where Dundee play. So there's a lot of heritage in Harks's family um, from Scotland, which is what we was talking about when he came on the podcast that time. He's he's Carney, New Jersey. is basically where a lot of Scots ended up, and it's why uh, the kind of expat community there grew a soccer community in Carney, New Jersey. So for Ian Harks, his son, to go back to Dundee, where his granddad was born. It's fantastic. It's such a lovely story. And I wish him all the best. He's a very good player. And I think he'll be fine in the um, Scottish uh, Premier League. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Are we... Dundee. A third in the Championship. I think you're talking about the wrong Dundee. Is there a second Dundee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dundee are actually not in the Premiership. They're in the... Uh, Dundee United are in the... Uh... So there's a, a Dundee FC as well. Uh, something like that, yeah. Dundee United and Dundee FC, yeah. So yeah, they're currently third in the championship, which is like the second division in Scotland. So maybe he'll be playing in the Premiership next year. They can fire him to promotion in the Premier League. Uh, I don't expect any of us to be experts in the uh, Scottish League at Evans, so don't worry about that. (laughs) No, anyone past Celtic and Rangers, I I don't know a whole lot about. But uh, let's move on. There's a new team in MLS, at least there will be in three seasons. (laughs) So... Austin FC has been announced as a, an expansion team in MLS, and they will begin play in the 2021 season. So not this year, not next year, but the year after, uh, which is just kind of strange to me that they've been announced already and uh, whatever. I don't, I don't care. The, the reason I'm a little hostile about them is because the – the owner of Austin FC is the former Columbus crew owner. Uh, the owner that threatened to move the club and, and did everything he could to move Columbus to Austin, but the save the crew movement won, and the crew got bought out by him by the Cleveland Browns owner, as well as uh, a couple local investors. And so they're staying in Columbus with a new stadium and Austin FC is now an expansion team owned by the former crew owner. There's another interesting thing about Austin FC, and it's their chants that they have just released. They released an official chant Bible. How can you I release guess. chants for a team that doesn't exist for another three years? That is ridiculous. Well, well Patty, that's, the, that's what makes MLS so... <laughs> such it's a joke. They players. Right, they don't have players. They don't have. You know what's interesting though? Um, the owner, the Columbus Crew former owner, when he left, he actually already hired the Columbus Crew groundskeeper 
to go to Austin uh, with staff him. They have the groundskeeper <laughs> and the, the owner. The, the old groundskeeper for Columbus Crew is already in Austin, which is also interesting because they don't have a stadium. <laughs> so what's he doing? He's going around parks with, <laughs> with a rake. I don't, I don't know, but it's got to be the best <laughs> the best job in the world, right? You, you just got hired to to mow the grass at a place that doesn't three exist. Three years without a stadium. I reckon they're in a love affair, obviously. They're obviously uh, in some kind of like um, illicit love affair, and he's bringing him with him. And then for three years, he just sits in his ass for a bit. That's what's happening there. Yep. So the uh, official Austin, it's called the Austin Anthem Official Hymnal. Fuck. Okay. And the first one you've is called. You've already lost called, me. That. <laughs> you've, you've lost me on the on the title. The first one is called Austin FC, and it said there's a note that says hands raised, repeat until signaled. Ugh. And it goes, Austin FC, clap 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 clap. <laughs> Vamos El Tree, clap, 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 clap. That's it. And then the next what? one. That's two, it? Number, that's it, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. The next one is awesome. <laughs> it, it is um, <laughs> number two. It's called All Right. And there's a note that says repeated until signaled to stop, just in case you wait, wondered. Wait, there's just one word, All Right. Yeah, so that's what it's called. Don't give you an idea of the melody or the tune I'm trying to sing to? No, I'm going to make it up. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, it goes like this. All right, all right, all right, all right. Austin FC. All right, all right, all right, all right. Austin FC. And obviously you repeat that until you're signaled to stop. Um, it's a great what? chant there. Uh, forget the, the, Where did they get that from? All right. For, Is that kind of a city saying? Uh, I don't know. If it is, it's a terrible saying. I miss... The next one's good. Uh, I'm gonna keep going. You. I don't believe you. This next one's good. This is why. Um, this is what gives America soccer fans a bad rap. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, number three is called seven four, and it, the note says scarves up, repeated until signaled. Okay, it goes seven four seven four. It's not the score. It was the vote that got us all our brand new home. Oh. Oh. And it is, it is alluding to the um, it's alluding to the council vote the the city council the city of Austin voted seven to four to allow an MLS team in their their city. I feel physically sick, Evan. This is disgusting. This is sullying the great name of soccer and you in would, this country. You would think that they would put like to the tune of. You know, so people actually understood what these are supposed <laughs> to sound like because you know they're bad enough. To be fair, they've got, with, three, with they've the got three years to hone these amazing chants. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have plenty of time to, to fix it. So the next one is called, it's number four, it's called Dolly Dolly Austin. And Dolly Dolly. Goes, Dolly Dolly, like D-A-L-E. And now there's a crew chant that goes Dolly 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 Oh. Dolly, 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 oh, Dolly, 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 oh. I don't know what it means, but it's a, a Spanish word, okay? Oh, okay? And fans go nuts. But this one goes Dolly, 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 Austin. Dolly, 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 Dolly oh. Um, oh God. That's it. That's it. So, so wait, there's number five. Here's number Here's number five. Sorry. I'm losing, I'm losing the, will to li- the will to live. I need my room. Nope. Um, this one's just called One of Our Own, which... Um, obviously, like this is this is a chant that everyone knows. Um, but they have uh, any players. Who are they singing it to? Well, it, and on this on this hymnal, it says, 
Um, they're one of our own. They're one of our own. Oh, insert name. They're one of our own. <laughs> uh, and so hopefully they have a player whose last name is name. Uh, it, it, it's comical. really confused and otherwise, I mean. I and I'm not making this up. I mean, we'll, we'll tweet it out on the account. So ch- check our our Twitter to see this. We'll just retweet it with a note. But uh, I think yeah, that just one. regressed 20 years in America. Thanks, that Austin one sucks. Yep. And then the next one, the last one, fortunately, is uh, is number six. <laughs> and um, <sighs> it says, well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Um, hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. Hey, I will stand my ground and I won't back down. Wait, that's uh, this is a song. It's a real song, right? Yeah, it's uh, I think it's is that Springsteen or something. I feel bad not knowing exactly what it is, but like they're just singing a song. It's not a chant. It's they just sing oh, won't back down. Hell. And then at the top of this thing, it, it says, um, it says watch the capos for song number and end signals and they have the emoji of a, a finger pointing up it says that's the song number and then if it's a fist it's the last time so what wait wait they're gonna have emojis in the stadium i i have no idea patty signal, no idea. is that what they're gonna they're using emojis to signal what song to sing next just read that back again it says watch the capos for song numbers and end signals and the emoji they have the the emoji of a, a a hand that has the number one up and it says that's the song number and then the emoji of a fist and it says that that emoji is last time and so you can actually this is interesting i'm just seeing it now so the, you can the go to say to the, the, the crowd song number two and then everyone's yeah, gonna kick in with they're, that they're gonna song. sing it so just yeah, to yeah. explain to uh, English people, Capo is the guy at the front of the fans which starts all the songs. Um, it's so a very his... weird thing, but it happens. Um, and then, so the the supporters group is called the Austin Anthem. Fucking hell. Um, formerly known as MLS in Austin. This this I mean, this is a joke. This is like <laughs> like if I were writing a a, a satire. <laughs> This is what I would. Uh, this is what I would come up with. I mean, it is just like you said. It's sickening. Like you kind of lose your will to do anything. It honestly, it it makes me sad because I do. I know of very passionate, very knowledgeable, many of them soccer fans in America. When we had most of them on this podcast, um, but even like people that follow the big teams like Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United. Yes, there's ignorant fans. Yes, there's glory fans. But there's still, I think, a hardcore of fans in America which know the sport, which know what they're on about, and they're not going to be fucking turned on by this stupid hymnal and the Austin anthem. They're going to be embarrassed by it. It's just it's people in uh, ivory towers saying, "Oh, we need to do this to like launch the t- uh, the club." It's just utter utter crap. Oh, it's embarrassing. I want to, I want to move on to something else now. What can we talk about next? Yeah, we just wasted plenty of time on that. Uh, <laughs> you can actually send a message to the supporters group. I might do that and just ask them if they're joking or if I'm they're sure serious. You suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, we all hate you already. Yeah. And so let's move on to Wigan. 
um, do a quick, uh, Patty, give us a quick little rundown on what to expect. Uh, so Wigan, uh, it's very interesting playing Wigan and Hull back to front because, uh, sorry, back to back, because they are both rugby towns. So uh, ne- neither um, of their fans give a shit about football whatsoever. Um, so they um, both been in the Premier League more recently than we have. Um, but again, shit support, shit club. Uh, not really uh, doing much this year either. They've been on a really poor run of form until bizarrely at the weekend they pulled out a 3-0 win against Aston Villa, which Villa have the pretend, have the propensity to do that every now and again, to give up three goals. Um, but obviously it's not great for us if they suddenly hit form the week before they play us. They are still 19th in the table, um, flirting relegation uh, severely. Uh, we're at home. I assume this has to be a win for Wednesday. Um, I would hope for more workmanlike performance as we saw against Luton than the more don't give a shit performance saw against Hull. So, personally, we have to win this. It's got to be, I think, 2 to 3 nil. What do you think? Um, I don't know. If, uh, if our fans bring the Sheffield Wednesday anthem official hymnal and... Um, <laughs> Really good behind the club. I could see us winning maybe seven or eight nil. Um, <laughs> but if our our capos don't let us know what song number or uh, don't cut us off when it's the last time with their emoji hands, um, we might be in for some trouble. Hey, so I think our capo is Tango essentially, right? So uh, Tango is the one that starts some songs. Obviously, there's, there's obviously. Oh man, Tango is our capo. Yeah. Can you imagine Tango on just holiday in in the United States, like going to, uh, uh, let's just say he goes to an Orlando City match, right? <laughs> and he and he goes and you know he's all excited because Sean McCauley and and um, James O'Connor make up the staff, and he's thinking, you know, I'm gonna see what they're up to, see what the scene's like, and and Tango, the most fierce supporter of of real true football sits close to the supporter section and listens and, and sees what some of those fans are, are wearing and chanting. And uh, he, he would probably never come back to the United States again. No, you see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play from that because I think Orlando, right, I've got that, what's it called, the wall, the purple wall, right? And they've usually got a bit like, like a cop similar to the Wednesday almost where they're, they're, all their supporters stand and sing and stuff. Now, I haven't watched or listened to an Orlando game last year when they were shit. But when they first launched the club, um, they made a lot of noise. It was quite a, a, a colourful kind of um, ground to go to, and it was quite a lot of fun. I think if you went to Austin and the reciting hymns from from a hymn book, Tango would end up fighting the entire fan base. Um, but I think I think you're giving Orlando a bit of a bum rush there. Oh, unless I've have they gone so bad. And the... I know it, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to pick on Orlando because I, I do, I, I do like. The Orlando organization, obviously, yeah, it was more of just MLS in general. I think there there are some great supporters, um, but even in Columbus, I I didn't want to pick on us, but even in Columbus, I kind of have to laugh at, at some of the chants and some of the the oh, way the people. Oh, the Rebels chants are awful. I, I mean, yeah, we're both we're both big fans of uh, we both support our, our, our local clubs. Um, their chants are dreadful. There's no banter. It's all. There's not one player chant. Do Columbus have player chants? Do you support? Do you like get behind a certain player? Or is it all about the team and very vague, generic chants? There, there are. Uh, there's only one player chant. Well, there, there are a couple, but they're they're very generic. It's like, 
when when we go to take a corner kick, they chant Iguain, Iguain, and then like if our our goalkeeper makes a save, yeah, you'll never beat Steve Clark. Um, uh, that's better than but Mendel's. but there's like nothing nothing past that no, nothing cool and clever like Bannon's chant or the James O'Connor chant from back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Americans needed a big uh, hit of sense of humor into their into their uh, chants. But it doesn't. It, and and you speak to the support groups and the capos, and they are willing to do stuff, but they always come across this kind of general malaise of just like the rest of the supporters don't care or don't don't want to. I think it is a problem with the fact, especially in Red Bulls, where the general um, mass of people that go to watch it, it's just not a cultural thing to sing, right? So it, it, in England, we've grown up with this culture of singing and chanting and doing banter back and forth with the fans. I don't think it's a very cultural thing in America to sing at sports games. You get the usual sing-along to like the da-da-da-da-da-da-da, kind of like the horn and stuff, or the kind of um, the football chants. Uh, where it's like defense, defense. It's very kind of that kind of monotone, uh, monosyllabic kind of uh, chant. There's no inventiveness, uh, and it's not there culturally to do that. And I think England's quite unique as well. I'm not just saying that just for America as well. You go to South America and you go to um, other places around the world, and even Barcelona have capos now to to g up the audience to kind of get the fans singing songs. Um, I think England's quite unique in the way that they build the banter into songs. There's a great sense of humour and what's going on between the two sets of fans. Um, so I don't want to pick on America, but it, 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 their chants suck too. <laughs> it's unfair to compare them to England. I, I suppose that's true. Um, so anyway, I, it, back to my prediction, my real prediction. Uh, realistically, we should win. So what will probably happen is we go up 1-0 and then give up a late goal and end with, with just a point from it. Um, but let's just move on to the meetups. Um, we have some meetups for this weekend. We do, mate, yeah. We are meeting up in our usual places. Uh, New Orleans are in Finn McCool's, and uh, New York will be at the Football Factory again. We missed last week and the week before due to uh, January malaise. Um, but we are back against Wigan. And um, we are considering it a warm-up for the week after where we are playing Chelsea, obviously, we mentioned earlier on. So I'm going to go back into, into Chelsea. So for me, I said earlier on in the call, uh, this game against Chelsea, if you're listening to us in the Americas, we want you to get in touch with us and we'll put you out through social, through websites. We'll work with the club, we'll work with Chelsea FC uh, in the Americas too. They've got a huge following, Chelsea, as you might expect. I think that's 36,000 followers on Twitter. They've been going for ages. They do this stuff every single week. So if you're worried about going to bar um, full of Chelsea fans, I can tell you from my experience uh, going to bars with other sets of away sets of fans, um, it's much better watching it in that atmosphere. Even if you're on your own and against like 300 Chelsea fans, being that, being that, uh, that one dissenting voice in the, in a crowd I, I quite like it I, quite, I kind of thrive in it sometimes um, and most American Chelsea fans will have no idea who Sheffield Wednesday are so consider it an educational thing if you're on your own in a, in a small town in Steen America to go to your local sports bar find out where, find out where Chelsea uh, uh, go to their bars and just turn up and what we will do if you're, going to, if you're planning to do that we'll put that out on our uh, social media on our Facebook on our website and we'll publicise it, saying anyone in Atlanta, for instance, go down to this bar, 
there'll be some Wednesday fans there. There will more likely be more, more Chelsea fans there too. <laughs> um, but get down and support your club because at the end of the day, the Chelsea fans will love it too. They love going and seeing these uh, these uh, support groups. I got along really well with the New York Blues. Um, they're, they're, I think they're generally uh, a very good group of people. Um, they've always been very kind to me. I've got some friends there, uh, and we have a good banter back and forth. Um, it's the first time I've been, uh, first time we've played them while I've been in New York. Um, so I'm looking forward to the whole day in Football Factory. Um, so if you, I'll say once more, if you're gonna get together, Sunday, 27th of January, 1 p.m. EST kickoff. It's probably the most American-friendly kickoff time you can ever get. Now's the time to kick off your supporters group. Get in touch. We'll help you. It's owlsamericas at gmail.com. It's owlsamericas on Twitter. It's owlsamericas on Facebook. It's really fucking easy. And that will do it for episode 53 of Owls Americast. As Patty just mentioned, you can find us on owlsamericas.com. You can email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Owls Americas or on Facebook at the same thing. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend in the Makers. Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones for talk about music acts that wear skinny jeans and at New York Alice for Wednesday grousing. Patty, thank you for telling us about the weekend and the meetups. What is your prediction for the Chelsea match? Um, six nil Chelsea. Wow. I've got a question for you. Um, because we were talking about music earlier on, and I did my blog recently about best albums of 2018. What was your favorite album of 2018? Ooh. Um, you asked me way too quickly, man. Um, are you best, to... are your favorite band of 2018? If you can't think of what was the what are you most listened to artists of 2018? So I got into this band called Houses. Um, they have a song out called Fast Talk that's a little bit popular. Um, and then I have some some other music that uh, that I've really enjoyed. Houses. All right, I'll check them out. I've never heard of them. Houses. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>